2: It does not mean that your life is going to be easier, and it does not mean that your life is going to be safer. And oftentimes, it means just the opposite. But the question I'm asking you this morning is, is are you looking for a safe God? If you're looking for a safe God, you're probably in the wrong place this morning. But if you're looking for an almighty and a great and a good God, I want you to know him this morning. Is God
0: always safe? No, but He is always good. When we surrender our lives into His hands, it does not mean that life will be simpler, easier, or even safer. It often means just the opposite. Are you looking for a safe God? In today's edition of The Open Word, we are challenged by Pastor David not to put our hope in a safe God, but in an almighty and good God. We will be challenged to live our lives in a complete surrender to our almighty, good God. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, It Came to Pass.
2: I believe in every one of our lives, there are times that we simply ask that question, God, where are you in the midst of what's going on in my life? God, what are you doing in my life? Because there's sometimes there's things that happen within our lives that we have absolutely no control of, but yet we, 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 that we're we being impacted by it in, in a powerful, powerful way. Events happen in our lives that we just don't understand. There's there's incidents that, that happen that, that make our heads swim. We can't make heads or tails out of it. Situations come up in our lives that there's no rhyme or reason to it. We don't know why these things are happening, especially as we're desiring to live our lives for the glory of Christ and for the honor of our Lord. And yet these issues continue to bombard us. Trials come our way that are so uncomfortable we can't even begin to explain them experiences definitely that aren't of our choosing. Now, I'm not talking about things that are consequences of our bad choices. I'm not talking about the fact that we we at times deal with sin in our lives, the consequences of that sin. No, I'm talking about those other issues of life, issues that come into our lives, events, incidents, situations, trials, experiences that come not of cause of our action, outside of the consequences of our sin. There's situations that I believe, if, if you've been around for very long, they will happen in your lives. As we go through our lives, that we can only attribute to, again, just the providential hand of an almighty God. And sometimes those situations are most uncomfortable. We may not like the situation. It might be a very painful situation in our lives. But it's in those times that we need to rely upon the knowledge of an overall goodness and greatness and eternal plan of God. That the moment that we're going through now, or even the season that we're going through now, is only a small portion of a much grander plan and a much grander purpose. Ladies, many of you are going through the uh, Oswald Chambers devotional, My Utmost for His Highest devotional, dealt with the idea, this thought of when an individual desire dies, there becomes in a sanctified surrender in our lives. He wrote these words. He says, a saint realizes that it is God who engineers his circumstances. A saint realizes that it's God who engineers their circumstances. He goes on to say, consequently, there are no complaints. Now, I wish that were true in my life. Unfortunately, it's not. But that is a a direction of maturity in our lives that when situations come that rather than complain, we simply give that to God, we're surrendered. He says, consequently, there are no complaints, only unrestrained surrender to Jesus. But in a very real way, in a very practical way, How open are we as individuals and as families to fully and completely entrust every aspect of our lives into the master's hands, hands off on our part, and wholly give it to him. C.S. Lewis, in his great classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and if you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, and if you've never read The Lion, and the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you you have homework, okay? Get it and, and read it. You will be blessed. In this tale that he tells three children who have ended up in the land of Narnia. They're speaking at the home of the beaver family. These are real beavers, and they're speaking. You got to read the book to understand, okay? Well, Mrs. Beaver is trying to explain to the children who Aslan is. And she says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Susan. I thought he was a man. Is, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. At this point, Mr. Beaver kicks in. He says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And if you haven't caught on yet, Aslan is symbolic of Christ, the might and the power. Is he safe? No. But he is good. And when our lives are surrendered into his hands, it doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination, and if anyone ever told you this, they lied to you, but when you surrender your life into his hands, it does not mean that your life is going to be simpler. It does not mean that your life is going to be easier, and it does not mean that your life is going to be safer. And oftentimes, it means just the opposite. But the question I'm asking you this morning is, Is are you looking for a safe God? If you're looking for a safe God, you're probably in the wrong place this morning. But if you're looking for an almighty and a great and a good God, I want you to know him this morning. As we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and that's where we're at this morning, we've seen how God interrupted individual lives and in those individual lives, there were many times where it became greatly uncomfortable. We saw how in Zacharias and, and Elizabeth's life. In their old age, now they've got a son. They've got a child. Elizabeth now pregnant. We just spent uh, a month over at our children's house this last week and uh, taking care of our grandchildren, okay? 24-7 taking care of uh, our four grandchildren over there. A boy, a girl, a dog, and a cat, Okay. I can't imagine Zacharias and Elizabeth having a child at that age. But it was God's plan. Was it a comfortable plan for them? I don't believe that it was, but it was God's plan. Then we spoke about Mary and Joseph and the situation there, where their lives were pretty well all planned out. Joseph was going to marry Mary, and they were going to, again, live happily ever after there in Nazareth. But then God interrupts their life and changes their lives totally and completely. And Mary's response was to that, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it to me according to your word. Do you realize how tough that really is? It sounds all spiritual. It sounds you know, mighty spiritual to say, Lord, whatever you want, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me what you want. But the problem is, is when we make that kind of a statement, and yet we hold back and say, except for don't take my lands, don't take my wealth, don't take my health, don't get me out of my comfort zone, don't cause me to take my spare time and use it for others, don't make me do something that I don't want to do. And yet, more often than not, that's exactly what God will do in our lives. He'll take us out of our comfort zones because within our comfort zones, we aren't fully trusting in Him, are we? We're trusting in our abilities and our capabilities and our resources. But yet we find when God does interrupt our lives, we see a much greater thing happen in our life. And we experience the greatness of his glory in a way that we could never experience when we're still sitting in our comfort zones. It's a familiar story. Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, please turn there this morning with me. The story of the nativity, the birth of Christ. In Luke chapter 2, we read these words. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, beloved, I, I know that this is a very familiar story. You hear it every Christmas, and you, we can almost memorize and recite this passage of scriptures, because it is so familiar. I want you to look at it a way this morning that hopefully will give you a little bit different uh, understanding of what's going on in Mary and Joseph's life. The fact was, is that Caesar wanted to know how many people he ruled over. And whether that was out of an ego thing or greed thing, we see that he called for this registration over all of the Roman Empire because of the way that it was designated you had to go back to the home of your family heritage. As difficult as that was for that day, they couldn't just get online, make a couple of uh, connections, book their flight from one place to another. No, you had to travel by foot. As difficult as that was in those days, can you imagine today if we were sold, okay, say if our, dict- I mean, our president said that uh, we all had to go back to the home of our uh, ancestry, how difficult that would be? as many as that would impact and affect, can you imagine the effect and the impact that that was then on that day? How difficult that had to be. The difficulty of traveling and the number of people even then, though not as many people left home, at least to that extreme distances that many of us have had to leave, but yet they had to go back home. Personally, we moved so much with our children when they were young, they have no idea where home is. But for Joseph and Mary, they did know. They had a similar heritage and they went back to Bethlehem because they were of the house and the lineage of David. So Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth and head for Bethlehem. As he says in verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, as the bird flies, it's only 69 miles, okay? About from here to Tucson or so. But the problem is, is they didn't go that way because of the Samaritans, because of the mountain ranges, because of other aspects in the travel. Because the Jews would never purposefully go through Samaria, they actually had to take a little bit longer journey, and they had to cross to the east and go to the east side of the Jordan River, then travel down parallel with the Jordan River in what's now known as the country of Jordan. And then once they got down to about the area of Jericho or so, they could cross back over and go on up into the area of Jerusalem, then back down into the area of Bethlehem. Makes the journey well over 80 miles. A journey that should have taken about four days, undoubtedly probably took because of the way that they had to go, could have easily taken five or six days. Because of Mary's condition, it could have actually taken a little bit longer. Don't be confused. I don't believe that they went only by themselves. There were many people traveling during that time because of the census. I believe that they probably traveled in a caravan of people for safety as well as just for the, for the fellowship of other people. But I wonder in Mary's condition how long she could have traveled keeping up with that caravan by the way we don't know that mary used a donkey that's not in your bible that's in the uh you know the uh, sunday school stories she could have ridden on a cart far as that's concerned but they made that journey they made it all the way there and then in verse 6 It tells us, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I'm not going to get into all of these things. We speak about this quite a bit, about the chaos and the crowds that were there in Bethlehem during that time. I want the point of the message this morning to be very much right in line with what our brother Dixon shared with us this morning. Already in the past, we've spoken about chaos and things that were going on in their lives. But this morning, I want you to understand that they were fulfilling God's plan in their life, and this plan was not a comfortable plan for them. It was not a plan that Joseph would have chosen either uh, for Mary being pregnant before they were married, or for her during this last month of her pregnancy to be traveling such a long distance. God invaded their life with his plan. When we look at this, why in the world would that have had to take place? Why would would Caesar Augustus make that declaration that caused them to move? Beloved, I submit to you this morning that it wasn't Caesar Augustus' fault that they went down to Bethlehem. It was God's plan. And God's plan used a godless, pagan dictator in control over his empire to move this couple from Nazareth down to Bethlehem in order that the fulfillment of prophecy might be done. Because in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it speaks of Bethlehem. Out of Bethlehem will come forth this ruler of Israel. Let me ask you real quick this morning. Do you think it would have been Joseph's plan at that point in time to say, hey, let's move down to Bethlehem? No, I believe in all practicality that Joseph and Mary had set up home there in Nazareth. They were ready to have that baby there amongst family, amongst friends, in the comfort of a home that they already had. They would not have moved on their own. Oh, but what if, what if the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream? i wonder if he like you and i let's just make it really practical for us god spoke to us in a dream to tell us to do something absolutely ludicrous to our own understanding what would we do we'd go seek godly counsel i i don't know what to do john my wife is nine months pregnant ready to have this baby but i i think the lord is telling me we need to move like right now down to Bethlehem. Well, because John is a logical guy. He loves the Lord. He seeks the Lord, too. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Wait till the baby's born, and then you could move down to Bethlehem. See, it made no logical sense to man to do this at that time. That's why God had to use a Caesar Augustus to move them out of their comfort zone in order that prophecy would be fulfilled, in order that the plan and the purposes of God would be fulfilled. Couldn't have God used an angel couldn't he have brought Gabriel back down again? Maybe. But even at that, I wonder, would Joseph been willing to even be that obedient at that point in time? Again, getting as real as I can with you this morning. When God speaks into our lives, whether it be through dreams or or vision, or just the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, whatever he's calling for us to do would rock our world completely. How willing are we to do that? Let me pray about this. Let me take 30 days of prayer and seeking the Lord and counsel. No, I need you to go right now. I need you to lay it all down right now. I need you to put everything at risk for me. That's why God, I believe, used Caesar Augustus to make that decree that says, no, you need to go now. You need to move now. What about the timing? Could it have been earlier? Couldn't it have been five uh, or four or five months earlier? Couldn't that census have taken place then? Why did Caesar's decree have to come so late in her pregnancy? If Joseph had gone earlier the registration, he would have gone back home to be there. That decree came at just the right time. Whose right time? Joseph and Mary's right time? No. But in God's right time. And beloved, there are times that God works within our lives that's not of our timing. It's not of our plan. It's not of our comfort. But it's at those times that we just simply need to once again surrender to the reality that God is in control of all of his creation. He's in control of my life. And rather this event, this catastrophe, this trauma, is whatever the reason for. It. Lord, I just surrender my life into your absolute care. That's the only thing that I can do because I can't change this on my own. And beloved, there's some things in your life you ought not change. You ought to ride it through and allow the Lord to work and move in your lives. All of these things come down to our own understanding, trying to figure out, am I going to allow God to put me into a situation where I'm uncomfortable? Am I going to allow God to put me into a situation that's totally unpleasant or totally unknown? Because we as people, we want to know now, why now? We want to know why here? why this? And most of all, we want to know why me, rather than surrendering our lives wholly and completely into his hand. We want to understand because we feel that if we understand better, that perhaps our flesh would be a little bit more comfortable. But beloved, the problem is this, and I want you to catch this. We cannot always be comfortable and obedient at the same time. You cannot always be comfortable and obedient at the same time. There's a little phrase at the beginning of this passage, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. It's an interesting phrase. It's used all throughout the New Testament. But the Greek word for it is genome, genome. And it comes with that meaning of cause to be. It's where we get our word for generate, Do you need power? Then we're going to generate some power. You need income? We'll generate some income. It has that kind of an idea and thought behind it. And I see in that very phrase the very handiwork of God. God caused to be an official decree from Caesar at just the right time for just the right purpose to guarantee that that baby would be born in Bethlehem feel that too many times we read phrases like that in the Word of God, and we just kind of translate, well, it just happened. It just so happened that during that time, rather than looking deeper and seeing, and this is the hand of God moving in a situation that moved individuals or families for His purposes and for His plans. And the events in our lives, they may not be pleasant. They may not be of our own choosing, but as our lives are fully surrendered into God's care and the direction, then we can trust that, that though he may not be safe, he is good. That's why you and I as believers can stand so firm on that passage that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. You understand not all things are good. Financial collapse is not good. Uh, Health reports that say, man, there's a great disease there. That's not good. But even in the midst of those, when you and I as a believer surrender our lives wholly and completely to the almighty supremacy of a sovereign God, that even in the midst of those things, you know what? God's going to work for his glory in the midst of this. Another thought here, too, and it came to pass. You might be in a situation right now.
1: Open our from within by the open word.
0: We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word.
1: Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow.
0: Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God richly bless you.